I am going to, I am going to preach. This is not just a lady's message, so I want to preface this um, with the men. Because Proverbs 31, most women here, if you're, especially if you're a believer, you've, you've studied this book and this chapter because it talks about, the, we label it the virtuous woman. And, um, and so, uh, I, I, by no means am I going to try to go through this entire uh, study on the virtuous woman this morning. I, I do encourage you that if you haven't studied it, or if it's been a while since you've studied it, that you look at it again. But it's also not just a, it's not just a ladies' chapter in the Bible. Men need to study this, especially young men <clears throat> who are not married. And so, don't tune me out thinking I'm just going to... Uh, preach to the ladies this morning because I got about five minutes to end. I really want to address the men in this, and don't get up and go to the restroom in the last five minutes. Uh, a couple of things I need to say. Number one, uh, just um, praise God for all—not just mamas, but the ladies here uh, today. And I uh, hope y'all enjoy this uh, holiday that honors you. You need a lot more honor than what you get. And. And I want to say this, so because this is such a broad passage of Scripture and a broad message, uh, sometimes people want to read in things that I don't say. So I want to say this, I am, I am uh, um, by no means uh, am I saying that a woman shouldn't have a career or that a woman should not work or anything like that. If you'll study this chapter, you'll see that the virtuous woman is involved in business and that she works and... And, and that kind of stuff. Nor am I saying that you have to have a career or a job, okay? I just say that because there's a lot of ladies real touchy about that subject. And, uh, and I'm not saying either. You just listen to what I say and you study the rest for yourself, okay? But I want to start off um, reading this and then we'll come back to a couple of questions I want to ask you. Starting in verse 10, <clears throat> it says, Who can find a virtuous woman? Or a virtuous wife, for her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so she will have no lack of, or he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like a merchant ship. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good, and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff, and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hands to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow. Or for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. <coughs> uh, she supplies sashes for the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing. And she shall rejoice in the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom. And on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household. And does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and men listen, he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Now, um... I want to, I want to uh, ask a lot of you ladies here, and you can show me about raising. How many of you have sons uh, that are unmarried at this point? Raise your hand. How many? 
All right, a bunch of it. Good. You'll get something extra out of this message. I would ask you this question to the ones that just raised your hand. What kind of wife, what kind of woman would you hope that your son would find? What, it, what would you encourage him to search for? Because here's the thing. Uh, you're going to be the one probably who influences him more than anybody out, more than anybody else or you should be. Uh, in guiding him in that search for a wife. And you might have a, a, a little baby, a boy, or maybe two or three of them, maybe ten, I don't know. But you might have uh, boys right now and you go, well, my, my baby is nowhere near thinking about that. And we don't even think about it. You better start thinking about it. And you better think about it while they're little bitty because all the way growing up, you're going to influence them by not only words, but by your actions that they're going to watch you. So it's important that as a woman that you are this virtuous woman, uh, and, and but also not only so that your children see that, and also not just sons, but your daughters, because we want our daughters to be a virtuous woman. You know, we want to prepare our daughters for a man of God, and we want them to be a, a virtuous woman. And so, as a, as a mom, you're the one who's going to impact that far more probably than anybody else. And <clears throat> and I know a lot of times, ladies, study this passage of scripture, and you look at it. For the purpose that you want to be a virtuous woman, you want to find out what what one looks like and what she is, and that's good. But I want to kind of preach this to you from the perspective that it was written, and it was written in a mother's point of view. Uh, If you look in verse 1, who the writer of this is, it says, The words of King Lemuel, and then notice what it says, The utterance which his mother taught him. And so this was the wisdom that was passed on to a son from his mother. And one of the topics, obviously, that she taught him him was to look and to search for a virtuous wife. And so, so when you look at this, and he gets down to verse 10, he proposes the question, who can find a virtuous wife? Because his mom had instilled to him, this is the kind of woman that you want to find. And this is the kind of wife that you want to look for. Even when that, um, that boy was a little bitty. That she started, and my mom started like that with me. Um, when I was a little bitty, you know, and me and my brother, and, and she is a virtuous woman. And, and she, she taught us that when we was little, what to look for. And as we grew up... Um, uh, to look for this virtuous woman. And so uh, I encourage you as a mom here this morning, especially with not just your sons, but with your daughters too, but, it's, but with your sons, that you have such a powerful impact uh, on them to, to teach them what to look for as they grow up. Now, you do so, like I said, through your actions, your words. And here's the thing. Society will gladly provide a woman... For your son or your uh, a man uh, for your daughter, if you do not teach them in that way, because here's the thing: a, a mother has such a powerful influence on your children. God has given you, if, if you don't realize it, probably more influence even so than anybody else in the world. It's been said, and I read this week that one ounce of mother is worth a ton of preacher. You know, a lot of times we want to bring our kids to church and we hope that that through the preaching and the teaching and that kind of stuff that our kids hear what they need to hear and that that influences them. And I believe absolutely that it does influence them. But but mothers, a mother, you'll have a far greater impact on your kids than than I ever will. If I if I'm their pastor from the time they're little bitty all the way to they're full grown, I can't touch the influence that you're going to have day in and day out with that child. 
child. You have the power. Mothers have the power to shape and to mold and to reshape our entire society. You know, there's one thing as I was as I was reading and studying this week on this. Um, I looked up some different websites and. Probably one of the big women movements in our time was women's right, and I'm and I'm not saying that I'm against everything in that. Okay, I think there's a lot of things that I learned when I looked at. I looked up the women's liberation movement, and uh, and in that in that uh, website there, I was looking. I thought, you know what? There's a lot of there's a lot of things that that is produced in this movement that comes from sorry men. I mean, if we just want to be real, there's a lot of men to blame, and I'm going to say, hopefully, ungodly lost men that, that don't know how to treat women and don't look at them in the right perspective and don't don't give them what they have rights and deserve, and they don't honor women. And, and uh, you know, you got angry women who went to the far opposite end of the scale doing men hating and, and all that kind of stuff, okay, who are in the women's liberation movement. And, 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 and here's the thing, the women's lib is robbing some women of the, of the goodness and the glory of God and the honor that that you deserve as a woman. And then you got other things on the far opposite end of the scale. But but as I was looking at that movement this week, I thought that that movement has had such an impact on our society, a very negative in a lot of ways impact on our society because it's robbed women of what God created them uh, for and, and the glory of God in their life. And I thought, but you know what? God's also given Christian mothers the, the power, far greater power, to influence your kids. That you have the power to reshape and to remold our society through the raising up of our kids and your children that God's blessed you with. There's a, a deal I read. It said there was a man named Robert Ingersoll. He was a notorious skeptic of the Bible who used his educational influence to, dis, to try to and destroy the faith of young believers. And one evening after he had lectured, there was two college students and they had been to the lecture and they was walking down the road discussing what they had heard. And one said to the other, he said, well, I guess that he knocked down the props out from under Christianity, didn't he? And the other one replied, I don't think so. Ingersoll did not explain my mother's life. And until he can explain my mother's life, then I will stand by my mother's God. You know, we talk about oftentimes, and I refer to uh, sending your kids to college, and there's no, again, nothing wrong with college. But when you send your kids to college, they're going to be influenced. There is an agenda in our society to totally tear down young believers' faith and to try to do that. And that's why, you know, college lasts four or eight years sometimes if you make a career of it the rest of your life. But, 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 but college has your kids for that a period of time. And now, they don't even have to go to college. You know, it's a lot of times, especially when they get up to junior high and into high school, you've got certain teachers, not all teachers, but you have some teachers that come in there with the agenda to attack Christian belief and to attack the Bible. But God gives you those kids day in and day out to influence them and to sow seed in their life so that they can not only hear God's word, but they see Christ in you and they see the change and the difference in the impact and the joy and the peace and the purpose that God gives you in your life. So you hold a far greater influence and a far greater power than any college professor will ever have over your children. I just encourage you that you use that influence. That you don't just throw it away to the side. You know, so my question is, how are you using that influence on your children? Because we should be molding our daughters to become one of these virtuous women and encouraging our sons what to look for as they're growing up in life. So what does a virtuous woman look like? 
look like. Now, when I look at this passage of Scripture, when I pulled up the word virtuous in the original language, it actually means a woman of valor. It means a woman. It describes a woman who is strong, who is brave, who is triumphant, and who is of noble character. This is, this is not a woman who allows society to determine her identity, who she is, how she should live, what she should involve her life in, what she should give herself to. She is not a woman who is given to, you know, a liberation movement or, or allows, you know, men who are ungodly to determine what a woman is. She's a woman who listens to the Lord and allows him to determine who she is. She's strong enough and brave enough to trust in Jesus, her Savior and Creator, to mold her and tell her what true value is found in. And that takes a lot of courage, especially for you young ladies today. I know that that when you when you go to school or or when you're around uh, you know people in the world the world from the time you're little bitty always wants to try to mold you and, and basically if you look at the scripture it says that Satan is the prince of the power of the air he's the prince of this world and so he's the one who's behind all these movements that's trying to mold and shape not only our daughters but our sons into being a certain thing we think we have to to pursue certain things and and again I'm I'll say, and I'm not by, by no means. I'm not against if you're a lady pursuing a career. Like, but I, but here's the thing. First and foremost, and I'll say this scripturally and boldly, a woman's first and foremost thing is to take care of her household. Now I'm talking about your family. Your kids come before your job. That your husband and your children come before your job. That's your greatest calling. If God has so chosen to bless you and give you children, those kids are not pests. They're not well they could be annoying. Okay. <laughs> But the God's honest truth is, they mean far more when you stand before the Lord, okay? And I believe if you're going to have a career that you should, you know, be a good steward of the job that gives you and that you should give your best and that you should work hard, but you should never get things out of order. And I, like I said, I'm a preacher to the men, so stay with me. You should never get things out of order because you can read the rest of the scripture. She was a very busy woman and she was involved in a lot of things. But you know what? She rose up early and she took care of her household and they were clothed and they were taken care of. And, and she was influencing them. She was more concerned about why she was working than how she was working. You understand what I'm saying? And one of the things that, that we as parents, and especially as a mom, God will hold you accountable when you stand before Him, not to see how many degrees that you had, not to see you know how many men was under you at the job that you worked at, but that God will hold you accountable for the influence that you had and the raising that you gave to those children that He blessed you with because those children are far more important to the Lord than our job is. And that's not only with the women, that's also with the men. But, so you see a lady here who is a very strong character. You'll hear in society, because I know what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that a man is the head. It says it very basically in Ephesians chapter 5. also says it in Genesis uh, that the man is the head. He is the leader. That's not a domineering, beat a woman down. You're weak and you're ignorant and you don't know anything. If you're a man that's like that, you're stupid, okay? And I'll just say that plain. But but the way God has designed it, we hold the position of the spiritual leader at home, the physical leader in our home, all right? And the woman is to submit. That's not submit the way the world 
teaches, but it is submission in the way that, that God teaches. And I don't have time to go through all this. But what the world does, they take the, they, they, they take the Bible, they look at the surface of it, they don't know what they're talking about when they read it to start with, and they go, see, the Bible oppresses women, and the Bible belittles women, and it puts men in charge, and it doesn't do any of that. And if you fall for that, then you've been deceived already, because when Jesus came, Jesus gave liberation to the women. He exalted the women that society at his time had beat down. And when women see the role that God has given them and the glory that's in that role and the honor that they receive from it, you take a godly lady who desires to follow in Christ's word, you're going to see a lady that you're going to see the glory of God in her life. You see the peace of God. You see a virtuous woman that sees and receives the rewards of God in life versus people who go against what God's word and you get out of the mold that God wants you to mold you into and you fall into that mold that the world says this is what defines a real woman now there's some different ideas and uh, and if this offends you I guess it'll offend you I'm not trying to offend you when I read this or say this but there's a lot of different views of what a woman is and whatever view that you hold to will determine what kind of woman that you will become and what kind of life that you that you live two basic views of society number one Society often views a woman as a sex symbol who dresses like a high-class prostitute that has more plastic on them than a life-size Barbie. They find their value in the attention they get from perverted men who look at them and respect them like a dog does a steak. That's one view of a woman. You see it every day. You see it when you turn on your television. You see it when you're driving down the road on the billboard. You see it with the women who are modeling what little clothes there is to model in our day. And society says, if you don't dress like this, if you don't look like this, it's all about their outward appearance. And so many women, even godly women, buy into this world view of what a woman should look like. And they starve themselves to death. And they take pills. And I'm not saying that it's not good to take care of yourself and that it's good to to dress nice and it's good to you know be pretty for your husband and that kind of stuff those things are good and there's nothing wrong with that but you'll notice in this passage of scripture it doesn't say anything about the outward appearance of this woman it says that she takes care of herself basically she's clothed and 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 that kind of stuff and and what she does but it also says in verse 30 charm is deceitful and beauty is passing. And as it fades, listen to me, so does the attention and the self-worth of one who holds it. You see all these Hollywood projection of women, okay, who, who, who don't dress and who act, you know, in ways that, that women shouldn't be acting and that kind of stuff, okay. And all of a sudden you got women or little girls who watch that on TV and go, I want to be like her. This is the attention and all the stuff that, that she's getting and I desire that so I need to dress like that and interact with other people like that and act the way that she acts. And you've got all these different ones who are so-called worldly superstars that our daughters are looking at and they're saying, this is, this is what I want to be like. And if I'm not like that, then I'm weird and I'm not pretty and I'm not accepted in society. And if you buy into that, you've bought into a lie. Because I don't care how great you are on the outside and what your appearance is, sooner or later, it's going to fade. 
unless you go through a lot of expensive surgery like some of them Hollywood actors do. And believe me, it still fades. And here's the thing. Here's, here's what the crash here is on that. When you put your value in the attention that you get, and ladies, I just want to talk real plain to you this morning. If you put your value in getting the attention of men, those men who are looking at you, they don't care what you're like on the inside. They don't care who you are. They are looking at you in a perverted way that is ungodly. And you know what? When they're finished with you, they go to the next one. And when your outward beauty begins to fade, you marry a man like that. You marry a man who only marries you because of what you have to offer outwardly, of your looks and of your beauty. And what happens, God forbid, what happens if you have a wreck and something's mangled that you can't fix? What happens if you have a health issue and all of a sudden you can't be the same size that you are? What happens if you have a baby, okay? You know, let's just be real. You know, and things happen to your body that's not normal. I guess it's normal, but but it's not. You don't look like you did when you was a teenager and when he was chasing you around. Man, I am about to bury myself. <laughs> but you ladies know what I'm talking about. You know, you, 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 sometimes when you get older, you spend a whole lot more time in front of the mirror. And, and, and but here's the thing: you marry a man who marries you for your looks, and when your looks begin to fade, that man will begin to look at something else. And when he gets tired of you, he'll begin, even if he doesn't physically, he'll begin to look and to lust after other women in the same way that he did you. You understand that? Don't marry a bum like that, alright? And don't, don't go after somebody and try to sell yourself in your outward appearance. Take care of yourself, be who you are, and if they don't, if they're not interested in you, send them down the road. And so in that, you know, man, we need to be careful. Of how much value that we put on the outward appearance of our wife. You know, we need to be in a place to go, you know what, I'm, I'm thank God that God gave me what I, what I believe to be a beautiful wife. I don't need no amens with the men on that, okay? But here's the thing, I'm thankful for a beautiful wife. But if something happens to my wife that her outward appearance changed, I'm going to love her no matter what. I didn't marry her. Well, that had part of it to do, okay? I was lost then. I was lost. Amen, <laughs> okay? Let's not lie. Let's be real, okay? You know, when I when I seen her the first time, I didn't say, "Hey, do you love Jesus?" All right, <laughs> but but that wasn't the reason that I married her and that I fell in, I fell in love with who she is. Okay, and that doesn't change. All right, that that gets better and better as the years go by. And, and that because let's move on from that topic. All right. <laughs> The second view that society portrays a woman is a woman who is independent, who is domineering, who has been victimized by men, who often desires to be one. You want to know where we get a lot of the homosexual agenda from? It comes from ungodly men. Now, I know everybody makes their own decision, but I'm just saying. It comes from ungodly men who treat women in an ungodly way. And you take a lost woman who gets sick and tired of that. And that she's been told all of her life, you know, that men are horrible and men are horrific and da-da-da. And that you need to be better than men. And you can do the same thing that men can do. And let me say this. You can't. You can't do the same thing that men do no more than what we can't do what you can do. And that's a good thing. And when we find our place, and I'm not that I am, but I'm not trying to be like a woman, and I never will be, but there's some men who obviously, they think they need to be like a woman, okay? And there are some women who think they need to be like a man, and it's caused mass confusion and mass immorality, and it's going to cause mass judgment upon our society. Whereas when a woman sees herself the way that God sees her, and she sees what a virtuous woman is, and she becomes that virtuous woman, then her life does have meaning and power and fulfillment, okay? And so in that, you see a lot of women who 
See, they find their value in their career accomplishments and the possessions that they obtain, how many men they have under them in the workplace. Both views are false. And when we look at the scripture, you see a virtuous woman finds her identity in this, the one who made her. And the one who loves her. And he's the one who defines defines her value. When you look at verse 10, he says, Who can find a virtuous woman? For her worth is far above rubies or far above jewels. 1 Peter 1.18 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, that's not your value. What you obtain, how much money you make, the things that you wear, the things that you possess, that doesn't determine your value. Your value is not determined by how much attention that you can get from other men or what other women are jealous of you over. You know, one thing I found, i got to say this. There's something about weird about some women. Not all women, but some women. Because some women do all this working out and they dress up and they get all fancied up, not because they want the attention of other men, but because they want the jealousy of other women. None of y'all said amen. Y'all know I'm right, okay? Some of y'all, okay? Because some of y'all, it's not that you want the, if you want attention of men, you'd want the attention of your husband. Some of you just want to wear stuff so other women go, I just can't stand her. <laughs> That's just adding to the message. It have nothing to do with, okay? But you don't find your, <laughs> you don't find your value in those things. God said, that's, that's not the way that I put a price on you. The price that He put on you, He says, that you were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. So what is my value as a woman? Society says that, that you know, if I'm not beautiful, then I have no value. And some of us, if we were honest, so I'm going to look at the wall when I say this, okay? Well, if we were honest, we would say, obviously I'm not worth much, okay? Because I can see myself, I'm not a model, alright? And society says, you're not worth anything. You're, or maybe you used to be beautiful, and if we, you know, reality hits and gravity does too, and we look at ourselves and we get on and go, I'm just not the person that I used to be. And oftentimes we'll hang on to those glory years. Where, you know, when I was young, I was this, and when I was blah, blah, blah. But now, and all of a sudden, you know what you do? You just bought into it and you put yourself worth the same place that the world did. And you look at yourself and go, I'm not as pretty as I used to be. I'm not, you know, I, I can't do the things that I used to do. I'm not athletical anymore and all these things. And so therefore, I'm not worth what I used to be worth to society or to my husband. That's a bunch of junk is what that is. You're valuable because Christ saw you, created you, molded you in your mother's womb. You know, the Bible says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You were no accident. And he brought you into this world. Psalm 139 says he wrote a book about you. Okay, The book of your life. He has a perfect, precious plan for you. He loved you even as a sinner. And Christ said, I find her and his, but her value so great that I'm willing to die for her so that she can be mine. Now you think about this, young ladies. And I'm finishing up with this. You're looking for a hero and a man. You know, girls always look for a hero. Usually that's why you go out on the football field and you cheer and, and uh, that kind of stuff, you know. Some women look for money, but a lot of women look for heroes. Okay? Boy, that was, that was stupid. <laughs> but if you're looking for a hero, you know what? Look no further than Calvary. If you're looking for someone who loves you for who you are and not what you look like or what you have to offer, you look to Jesus. 
If you're looking for a man who is gracious, who is compassionate, and who loves you unconditionally. If you're looking for a man who will stand up against the gates of hell and die for your safety. If you're looking for a man who showers you with goodness and holds you in great honor and high esteem and respect, the man that you're looking for, his name is Jesus. And that's the way that he sees you. And that's the way that he values you. Man, if I could encourage the young ladies here not to listen to those little punks that you go to at school, okay? The ones that's on the football field. Now, I'm, you say, wait a second, my boy's on the football field. If he's not a punk, then let it pass over, okay? <laughs> But you know what I'm talking about. Those boys who don't seek after the Lord, they're not godly young men, and they're thinking about you in one way, okay? Don't let them corrupt your mind and the way that you see yourself or to buy into all the other girls at school that say you have to be this way and you have to run with this group and you have to wear these certain clothes and you have to wear less than what you wear more and all these different things because Christ looked at you and He says, I love you unconditionally, just like you are, and I gave my life. And I died for you so that you could be saved. And don't you let the world rob you of what I speak over you. Because you are my daughter. You are a princess in the kingdom. And you have a hope and a future. That's what God says about you. You know, the virtuous woman is the woman who realizes there's no other man who will love her more than Jesus. And she lives and does all she does as an expression of her love for Him. When you read the rest of this chapter and all of the things that this woman is involved in, that's not what makes her virtuous. What makes her virtuous is the reality of the love that God has for her and the uh, the definition of who she is given by Him. And when that penetrates her heart, her heart... And her life and her desire is to love back the man who loves her more than anybody else. Man, that's good. And here's what I want to say to the men. Okay, you ladies can, can, well, you might want to elbow, but you can kind of tune out right now. Thank you. Let me say this about virtuous women. And I, I, I got a couple of dibs. You know, I'm always picking on my mom-in-law. So I'm going to give her some dibs this morning, all right? I praise God that my mom-in-law is a virtuous woman. And I praise God that she went through probably a nightmare to raise me a virtuous woman. There's no greater blessing in life for a young man. Now, if you're looking for an idiot, you know, that's, that's a different kind of man than me. I wasn't looking for that. I was looking for a virtuous woman. Even at the time, I didn't really even know that. But the things, even as a lost man, my mom had instilled in me. The values that I wanted because I wanted a wife who was a whole lot, not just like, but a whole lot like my mom. And that's what I was looking for, even as a lost man. You know what? God had a plan and he used, you know, a crazy mom-in-law to raise a crazy daughter. So that, so, so that I could have an awesome life, alright? And I praise God for that. But men, a woman who is virtuous will not take interest in you unless she sees him. And oftentimes, that's why your wife is not a virtuous woman. Let's be real. Oftentimes, you know, men, if we want to be honest here this morning, we're the leaders. We want to, we want to bounce on that scripture where it says, you know, the man's the head of the home. He's the one that God's put in charge. And so many times, like I said, we take it out of context. Whereas, here's my question. If you're the head, where are you leading the body? Because oftentimes our wives, our wives will always respond. Women are responders. Men are initiators. 
And if a wife who loves the Lord, who is a born again believer, okay, she's looking for a virtuous man. And so many times our, uh, as husbands, we look and go, man, I wish my wife was like that. And I wish she was a virtuous woman and, and she needs to study Proverbs 31. I think we need to go back and go, you know what? The virtuous woman is looking for Jesus. And when she sees Christ in me, she will respond to that. And so as men, we have a great influence on that. You're, there, you're either leading your, your wife away from, and there's so many men, it makes me sick to my stomach, men who are either Christian or say they are, who are involved in so many ungodly things, okay? Watching things on TV, worldview of women, that you have that worldview of, of your wife and think that she's supposed to look a certain way and act a certain way and participate in things that are ungodly, okay? And then all of a sudden, we're involved in every kind of thing that, that ungodly lost men are involved in. Yeah, we want our wife to respond to us as what a godly woman would be with respect and with honor and with love and submission, and it's not going to happen. And so I guess I'll close with this. We all need Jesus, amen. But I think as men, we need to look at our lives and go, you know what? Maybe I hadn't been that virtuous man. Maybe I hadn't been, maybe my wife's not seeing Jesus and that's not why she's responding. Maybe you're here and you're a single man. You go, I would like to have a wife who I can trust in. If you'll read the scripture, he said he trusts in his wife, safely trusts in his wife. A wife who brings me honor. A wife who loves and respects me. I would like to have that. That kind of wife would love to have a man who loves Jesus. And we got to come to a place to where we look at our lives and go, you know what? God said we could have that kind of marriage. And I need to begin to prepare myself and let God prepare the other one so that when we come together, God is glorified in all of it. All right? And quit buying into the lie that society has sold you because there's so many families today that's been destroyed because you think your wife should be like Hollywood. And some of you women think your wife should be like, I don't know, Donald Trump or whatever it is. And then we get so disappointed and so frustrated and so angry that the next thing you know, we're standing before a judge and we're all looking for a new person. And God said, I have that person for you. And that person is me. And when you let me in and you let me rule and you let me lead you and you let me love and you let me show grace and you let me show compassion to those people, I can bind your marriage together and make it something that is absolutely glorious. That's what Ephesians chapter 5 is all about. So that the world, when they see my marriage with my wife and they see your marriage with your husband and your wife, the world goes, man, there is something in their marriage that is different. That That is a person. It's not something. It's Christ Jesus. So if you're here this morning, you don't know Him as your Savior, you'll never have that kind of marriage. And you'll never find what you're looking for in the world. And you need to repent and trust in what Christ has done for you because He said, I want to redeem you. I want to buy you back. Maybe you're, maybe you're one of those persons, I'm not gearing this towards the women, but, but everybody, maybe you're one of those people, you made some, some awful decisions just as I have in my life. And you go, you know what? I don't think God could ever love me. You're dead wrong. The Bible didn't say He loved you while you was all cleaned up, while you went to church. It says in Romans chapter 5, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm going to close with this right here, okay? In the book of Hosea, there's a story. Can't go through it. I'm going to go through this real quick and you study it for yourself. Hosea was a prophet. 
Okay, he married this woman that God told him to marry. <clears throat> they have some children. Okay, and now all of a sudden, this woman decides that she wants to go out and prostitute. She goes out. She runs around. She's with another man. Blah blah blah. And you know what God told him to do? God said, "I want you to go and find your wife." And she had been to a point where she was sold into slavery. Okay. And if you know the story, you know that Hosea went out. She didn't search for him. She didn't come crawling back begging for forgiveness. Hosea did what the Lord said. And he went out searching for his adulterous wife. That all of the town had been talking about what was going on. And when he finds her, she's for sale on the slave brock. And you know what Hosea said? He said, I will buy her back. And he paid a price for his adulterous prostitute wife because he wanted to show her unconditional love. You say, why did God write that story down in the Bible? Because I was that adulterous wife. I was that person that committed idolatrous adultery on my Lord. Who, I didn't go searching for him. He came searching for me. And that's what the word in Peter means to redeem. He paid the price to buy me back. If you don't know him, you don't know love and you don't know life. But you can know this morning. So don't ever think that you're too far gone. That Christ doesn't love you and he can't redeem you. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Maybe it's a good morning to pray with your wife or your husband. Father, we just bow before you this morning. I thank you for your great love. Lord, I thank you that you created us. Lord, in a perfect way. And Lord, I know that sin in us has so marred that. But I thank you that you're the potter. And Lord, you can rebuild us no matter how messed up our lives are, no matter how messed up our marriage is. Lord, you're the one that when we look to you, God, when we yield to you, Lord, that you can heal us, that you can restore us, that you can redeem us. God, that you save us. Lord, that you can make us something that's beautiful. Lord, you can take ashes and turn it into glory. Father, I just pray over each marriage here this morning, Lord, that the ones who might need that today. And God, that they wouldn't look to somebody else or even look to each other, but Lord, they'd look to you. Pray you would just restore our love in our marriage, that we would love our spouse with your love, God. Lord, that there would be mercy and forgiveness, God, in every area. Lord, I just lift up the young people here. Lord, each young lady here this morning, that they would see their value found in you, God. See how great that you love them, Lord, and they wouldn't drop their standards, and they wouldn't settle for anything less than what you have for them, God, that the young men would be men of honor, men that that follow you, Jesus, and men that are looking for that virtuous woman, Lord, that you would just give them a blessed marriage, a blessed life, God. Pray that as, as parents, Lord, that we would use the power that you've given us, Lord, to influence our children, for you and for your glory, God. I know that you can turn this culture around, Lord, with your people and through your people. And I pray, God, that we would set our hearts to that. We just ask if there's someone here this morning that's lost, God, right where they stand, that they would just humble themselves and turn to you, to believe you and to trust you. And I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.